it out towards the big ruck when Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck, handball over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Kyle Martin. And he slams through his first on the bending over. He's over his grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. It's a huge round in the context of the Division 2 season as the Basin host East Burwood. Ringwood take on South Belgrave and Knox travel to Mulgrave. Meanwhile, Roeville have another challenger in the Premier Division with Doncaster East travelling to see... Uh, sorry, Doncaster East hosting them at Zerby's Reserve in a 1v2 showdown. And there's another one of those between the Waverley Blues and Coldstream. Welcome to the Weekend Forecast brought to you by Deakin University. I'm Matthew Foti. And joining me today, Matt Spiderley, Jared Beelan and Josh Ward. I've stuffed up that intro, guys, but we'll roll on into it. That Such is the nature of the Weekend Forecast. It's all about getting to the weekend, unlocking the door um, to a big weekend of local footy, and it's an exciting round coming out of season at Jarrett. Yeah, I'm I'm very keen to get back into it. Um, very interested in Division Two, especially like the Ringwood South Belgrave game and the Eastwood uh, East Burwood Basin game. Specific, you know, interests to me. Well, uh, that's where we start as well. Let's get into it because awesome. it's a bumper show. We've got an interview with Luke McCormick. Will Spence has done his work there. The Lourdes coach. They're one and one and five. The Dales, but their percentage is still up around the hundred mark. So they're they're a side to watch in the back half of the year. And then we're going to speak to Pakenham Gazette journalist Tyler Lewis uh, later on. Uh, about that Doncaster East Roeville game. Of course, he covers Noble, Roeville, Berwick, Beaconsfield, those clubs out in the southeast. So we can give us an insight into how they're going at the moment. So straight in Division 2, Spider, we'll start with your Rams again. You were fortunate enough to have uh, something else on last week so you didn't have to travel out to South Belgrave to see their 83-point loss. They take on the Basin this week at Batterham and the Basin is starting to build some momentum. If they win, they can jump back into the five if Mulgrave go down um, and sort of reinstate themselves as a contender, um, especially if they knock off East Build, and then for East Build, it'll be about getting back on the horse after a deflating loss. Yeah, look, no doubt they would have been disappointed with their second half last week. You know, looking at some vision throughout the course of the week, I thought their first half they were really competitive, but they probably just lacked the bigger bodies and just that height factor. They come up against some some really experienced players from South Belgrave, so this is an opportunity for them to play a team in the basin who are a quality outfit, but also a couple of players back in that team. We spoke about Rixton out of the side last week for the Rams. He's such an important defender for them, but also um, Zach Hanlon, who didn't play as well. So they get a couple of really key players back for them, and I think that's a real positive for them, so they're not reliant on uh, some players having to to play makeshift roles. So I think that will be certainly an opportunity for the Rams to uh, to put some of their best uh, opportunities in place you know, to win that game. So we'll see how they go. Well, I don't think uh, it's all um, doom and gloom for them. I think uh, you'll learn things from your loss. And uh, they've had some really good wins. And they can go back and have a look at some deficiencies and some areas of improvement for them. So I think it's a really good opportunity, once again, that presents themselves against the base. And um, you know, I think a great opportunity, particularly to play another game game away in what will be uh, yeah, pretty tough conditions there. So we'll see how they go. But the Basin are always very tough to play at home. Yeah, it's a small ground, isn't it, Jared? And, and East Bird, I don't think, like the small grounds. They like to get on the outside and run this year. So could that play into the Basin's hands? I reckon it could. Um, we've also, I think, made that distinction about the Basin as well. They, they also like the larger grounds, but, you know, playing most of their games at, or, you know, 50% of their games at Batterham. They should be at least used to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Precisely. Um, the Basin, you know, the, look, East Bird might have the psychological edge due to the winning form that they've had throughout the season in the base. And, you know, if, if East Burwood gets on top of them, uh, uh, 
around, you know, three-quarter time, the Basin might think like, oh, here we go again, you know. Um, but look, this is a real good chance to find some winning form. Uh, and I say specifically winning form because they haven't been bad throughout the season. You know, we saw them do well against Ringwood and now Ringwood, you know, we're really seeing how well they're going. Uh, it's it's not looking too bad. It looks like Nick Hallow has has been back to his best in the past couple of weeks. Gomez, uh, he's been incredibly consistent throughout the year. They still have a couple of players out of form, uh, who seem to be out of form, G, uh, Davidson and Adams, uh, they haven't really featured in the best as much as they did last year. Mills has only played the one game, um, kicked three goals, but uh, you know we'll see if uh, he can get back onto the park. I'd say, look, East Bear would have uh, have that psychological edge and the advantage of going in uh, with that uh, winning, uh, not culture necessarily, but that winning mentality, perhaps. But the thing is, as well for the Basin, they. They're also on the back of a couple of, well, handy wins against, well, lower sides in, in Knox and Oakley districts. And we all saw last year what they could do with, with, you know, momentum behind them and with victories. And yeah, I think they'll head into this game with a lot of confidence and it's on their home deck too. So uh, I think it, it's always hard to travel down to the Bear Cave and I think it'll be a similar story for Can they close down, Maddie, the, the run of the Rams? What, what's I think, their I think biggest the, um, asset? The venue, the venue itself, I think, will do a little bit of that. It's just a hard ground to spread on. Um, I think it'll be low scoring. I think it'll be close. Um, just because, like I said, that both sides are uh, pretty well structured. Uh, the basin, especially, that ground's not really conducive to a big score. Um, I don't think in recent history there's been a massive score. Even when the basin played Baronia and South Belgrave last year in tight games, it was something like five twenty to six ten. It was no one ever kicked straight, and it's always a low scoring game. Out at Batterham, um, and I don't know. Yeah, there's just something about it. So I think it'll be tight and contested, which may favour the Bears midfield a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a hard one to tip because the Basin, like you said, they're, they're coming into some form, Jared. They haven't been bad all year, but they haven't really beaten anyone. Um, yeah, in terms of tips, we'll do that in a second. But yeah, it's probably the hardest one to tip out of the lot, to be honest. Although this next one between Ringwood and South Belgrave <laughs> is just as difficult. So the Redbacks, 6-0. Um, you know, they, their, their system is probably the best in the division in terms of, you know, at what they're bigger than the sum of their parts and they've showed that this year. You know, you, we thought that maybe losing a couple of stars would, would make them drop, but it just showed how good their system is. It's all about soldiers. It's not about specific personnel. Then South Belgrave were immense and, and at their best are amazing. And maybe they are the sum of their parts sort of thing. You know, when you've got some, when the forward line's uh, built around two XAFL players and then you've got Mitch Garner in the ruck, you know, a, a top quality Premier Division ruckman playing against guys like, I know Zach Hamlin didn't play last week, but, you know, even if Zach Hamlin had played, Mitch Garner's probably on another level. Um, so the two contrasting sides, Spider, in the way they go about it. What, what's your read on this one? The big ground might suit South Belgrave in terms of their forwards will have more space, but Ring would know how to play it so well. Well, Ringwood's so impressive look last week and you just have to look at their results against Brony. We sort of probably felt that that game was going to be a lot closer than it was, but the game was basically over at halftime. Then South Belgrave, their second half was you know, incredibly impressive against East Bird where they just basically did what they pleased and you know, basically put the score on the board because of the bigger bodies and basically just dominated the game. But uh, you just get the feeling with this game going to be pretty much a last man standing affair. Um, these two teams, they like to both run and carry the ball. Um, Ringwood, 
for me, look like they're a team that yeah you know, that can take it up to South Belgrave. But I just get a feeling with South Belgrave, uh, this game will just about suit them with uh, with some of those bigger bodies uh, against the Ringwood team. So probably leaning towards South Belgrave, but I think this could be uh, quite a close affair right through uh, at the main course of the game. And I think this won't be decided until uh, very late in the game. I mean, it's like what you were saying before, Maddie. About you know, it's it's about the system versus the the actual personnel, I suppose. So, do we bring in the old adage, the champion team versus the team of champions? Um, yeah, it's it's probably it's a very basic it summary. Basic. Like, there's more yeah. nuance to it, yeah. but yeah, oh, I, I just think you look at the two teams. So, like the selection, obviously, Ringwood have got some great players, but yeah, South Belgrave's team. You know, Trigart comes back into the side. He's a great player. Aiden Kidd, Damien Garner. So, so their forward line at the moment is Taylor Garner, Tim Smith. Damien Garner and then Sam Brown as that, your sort of mid-sized goal sneak. And then you've also got a Lee Odomat's out for another six weeks. So he's got to somehow fit in that forward line. Like, it's one of those things where it's almost too many bigs. Smith, I think Smith goes through the middle yep. on, on occasion. Um, and obviously Taylor Garner, you'd assume with his talent, he'd be able to play anywhere on the ground. But I think that actually might, won't mind the big ground because at least they'll all have their own space. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so, like, that stacked forward line might not be as... Uh, as uh, they're not going to be tripping over each other. It's not going to be as cumbersome as perhaps it might look on paper. Um, so I, I, what I find interesting is that Ringwood, yeah, it's about the system, but they've also had 12 players play all six games and another six play five. So they've been very settled as a team, uh, even you know within the systems that uh, Brett Rowe has set up around them. Uh, I think Declan Hill is the main piece of the puzzle that has been missing however yeah the thing is as well for uh, regarding forward line uh, South Belgrave's forward line this is their biggest test I reckon against a Ringwood defence who who again have been remarkable this year conceded a league low 300, 300 points in the first six games so I find it hard but yeah that extra space they won't they won't mind it out at Jubilee Park I reckon so the other game in that division that I want to sort of look at for a little bit in detail is Mulgrave and Knox because it's a bit of a banana skin for the Lions who have done, you know, some amazing work to get to 3-3. Three and three. Um, You know, obviously de- defeating Heathmont and South Belgrave and they knocked off Templestowe last week. So now they're, they're fifth and they've got a nice little run um, in, in terms of, obviously, I think they've got Knox this week. Uh, they still haven't played Oakley Districts and then they'll play uh, off the top of my head. can't remember the other side in this little battle. Um, it might be the base in themselves. But, you know, so they'll play three games where they really should at least get five and four, maybe six and three, considering where the base and they're sitting and how well Mulgrave have gone. But the Falcons offer up a bit of a banana skin in the terms of they've been pretty good so far this year, Spider. They, they lack for targets, but they've got a good midfield with the three fellas that have crossed over from Roville. They're well coached as well under White Cross, and they've they've pinched a couple of wins along the way, no, most notably against Templestowe as well. So it's a danger game for Lions. They can't wrestle on their laurels now that they've come out of this tough spell um, and think they're just going to roll over the Falcons. They're still going to have to work for it without question. I mean, I think Knox's past month has been quite good. Last week, they were disappointing. We thought that that was the game that perhaps they, they could win and you know, once again, continue their momentum, but wasn't to be. But Mulgrave, I've been really impressed with them. I, I think that they've played some really good footy in the, the early part of the season. There was a couple of games where they just didn't get over the line, but they're certainly showing us that 
week after week that they have the qualities. They spread the load amongst their team, uh, you know, whether it's their best player in Adam Booth or whether it's their other contributors around the ball. They're getting the job done, uh, and I think that's what's probably pleasing you know, their coach, Ryan Webster, at the moment, just being able to you know, get the job done regularly, four-quarter performances. And, look, they're, they're going to be a team – you know, in the back half of the year, to, I think really watching to see how they go because if they can get on a little bit of a run, there's no question that they're a possibility I to think, play some finals. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Like they're, they're on a bit of a run. They have the fixture now to get on a run. So they could, besides the Basin game, they should win these other two games. So they'll be minimum five and four, you would think, possibly six and three because they'll be a side that wouldn't mind playing at Batham because they're built around contested footy. Uh, Jared, and then they'll know having that confidence with wind under their wins under their belt that they can take it up to those big sides that they didn't quite get the wins against in, in terms of Ringwood, East Burwood, Baronia. They could, you know, they, and like Spotter said, if they can get to even the last five weeks of the season with an even ledger, their last five games are quite not cruisy, but they're all winnable. The, yeah, so exactly. they could easily hit the finals as a bit of a smoky mulgrave. I know I'm crystal balling a long way ahead, <laughs> but. It's all sort of laid out for them, and it's all because of the hard work they've done so far. Yeah, indeed. And that um, that win against South Belgrave, I mean, that's that's one that you know the other teams around them aren't necessarily going to get, and that's sort of like one up. Um, that's one up when it comes to you know the finals race. I'd be interested to know exactly how they beat South Belgrave because, like, it seems like it must have been a team defense sort of thing on a smaller ground at Wellington. I think they belted them up around the ball. It was more contested, yeah. was it? Okay. Um, I'd still imagine that it would have to be like there would have to be like a significant. Uh, team defense component to it to beat the likes of you know the two uh it was at least one Ghana playing um and then you also had Odomat was still playing at that point yeah Odomat Smith and Smith as well yeah. uh so like I would say that they have the uh the defense and also the knowledge of their they, they must have really quickly figured out this this new ground of uh or this temporary ground of theirs. well they only trained on it you know we spoke to Ron Webster probably just over a month ago they only trained on it like three times before the season started so yeah, yeah. they've done incredibly well to adjust yeah. if they have had to adjust yeah exactly so they beat Heathmont there they beat South Belgrave there it's looking almost like a bit of a fortress already um We'll see how they go against Knox. Well, Mulgrave in a couple of years, they'll be they'll have game plans for every type of ground because yeah. they've played almost everywhere but their home ground, John. <laughs> yeah, they have. But yeah, that, like Jared, like Jared said, they're they're making it a fortress out at Wellington Reserve, and I think that's what helps them here. Yeah, it's a banana skin game for them, but they'll come into this game with plenty of confidence. Given you know, despite losing to Baronia in the first round on their home deck, they still be Heathmont and South Belgrave, and they're two and they're two. Sides that we expected to be really, really good sides this year. So yeah, I think I think it's hard for me to go past Mulgrave, but I'll, I won't disregard Knox because they've still got a talented list and they'll be looking to bounce back after a bit of disappointing run of form. All right, tips around there. So Heathmont, Oakley District, we're all going Heathmont. Bronia, Templestowe, I assume we're all going Bronia. Bronia. Uh, okay, Ringwood, South Belgrave. Spider, South Belgrave. Jared, I'm going to go with Ringwood on this one. I'm going to go South Belgrave too. I'll go Ringwood as well. We'll go two and two. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. It'll be interesting to see what, what prevails, the personnel of the system. The Basin and East Burwood, Spider? I'll go with East Burwood to bounce back. Jared? Um, I've got to go to the Basin, to be honest. Basin as well. All right, I'm going to level it up. I'll go East Burwood. Because, <laughs> and to be fair, the East Burwood thing, I'm tempted to tip the Basin, but they have so far across the two last two years sort of proved me wrong every time I've doubted them. Um, but I do think, again, I think it's going to be low scoring. And I think goal kicking might come into it. The Basin are horrible in front of goal. They are horrible. And 11-23 last week against the district may come back to hurt them percentage-wise. I think the repeat entries might play a big part in this game inside 50 for East Burwood. Yeah. 
Uh, Mulgrave and Knox, Spider? Uh, Mulgrave. 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 Yeah, all on the same page there in terms of Mulgrave. But, yeah, Division 2 really heating up because of the the emergence of East Burwood and Mulgrave to challenge that top, top five from last year that we've now got a, a genuine race on our hands for that finals. And, you know, and if Heathmont can get, get themselves up with another win here and, and re-enter that race, it's going to be uh, very exciting. Division 1 now quickly. It's sort of – there's four games that I think sort of tip themselves. Maybe not one of them. Uh, but East Ring and Wanty South – look, Wanty South are actually – I did uh, wrote this week that they're actually going a lot better than their three and two record suggests. That their two losses have been by one point, um, so so they may well they may very well be. Oh, sorry, three of their losses have been under a goal. Two of them by a point. So they they could easily be five and one. Um, but you'd think East Ringwood would would have their measure. Murrubuck hosts Bayswater. Unfortunately, I think Murrubuck will win that comfortably. Beaconsfield up a galley. A good chance for Beaky to just get a percentage booster, get their kicking boots on. You know, try and find a bit more of an attacking style. We watched them last week. Uh, they're very well set up structurally. They get players behind the ball. Um, scoring power is probably their one downfall. But they've got a bit of a run now. They'll play um, up a galley with Lude Allen Mitchum. Yep. So could go into the yep. turn with a positive ledger. Uh, Mitchum hosts Croydon, uh, an interesting game, because Mitchum at home are always a, a difficult proposition, and, and Croydon um, haven't really blasted anyone out of the water this year, but they keep winning. And then Lillardale and Montrose, a big, game, a big game for Montrose, like Mulgrave Spider. This is a banana skin, because Montrose have impressed us at certain times, especially last week, where they knocked off an informed Mitchum. Uh, they're now 3-2, but this is the sort of game where if you lose this, it puts you way behind the eight ball, just because there's still three or four teams going for the, the last two spots. Yeah, and they really need a solid performance this weekend from the Demons. Four-quarter performance. Montrose, when we always pump them up, they seem to let drop their guard and get in and cop one uh, between the years. It's, it's amazing. But uh, I think they can win this game. We know Lilydale are certainly on the improve. They're not going to be uh, easy beats. I think it's going to go right down to the wide, but just get a feeling for me, Montrose will do enough. Yeah, in, in that one as well, Jared. I, I'm, I'm the same. I just think that Lilydale at home, this is a game Montrose lost last year. Yep. Um, and again, they didn't. there was no final series, but it was a game in the end that if the final series had happened, I think Mitchum ended up making it ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing, like those sort of games. I think they knocked off Croydon, but then lost to Luda, and it just didn't make sense. So it's got that about it. And like I said, off air, Ludal are actually going. Or did I say it on air? I can't remember. Now. <laughs> <laughs> one and one and five, Ludal were. Uh, that are sorry, but their percentage is quite strong, and they've been blown out of the water by anyone. I think their biggest loss is against East Ringwood by by thirty five points last week or something like that. So but that, by the same token, Maddie. Louis McCormick won't want on rule losses. He needs to start putting some wins together. He'll no, be, that's what I'm saying. He'll, he'll be, he'll he'll be talking, talking to his boys, and, and obviously we hear from him soon, but he'll be talking to his boys that this Montrose game is a is a big chance for them because he'll probably be saying, Montrose aren't that good mm. on our home deck. We, we've got to start putting four quarters together. They've only kicked 34 points less than Montrose for the entire season. They've got a percentage of 96.4, which is fantastic for a 1-5 and five team. Um, the thing for me is that they've got two main routes to goal, uh, Beckwith and Jaworski, uh, and that that's, I think, something that perhaps... Uh, if you watch the highlights, a lot of their goals mm. are running into goal. Mm. They, like that. I don't think they have a, a target per se. So yep. I think they, they play that sort of numbers up the ground style. Right. So I, I'd still think that a Gary Ayres, you know, Gary Ayres coached team might be able to handle that sort of, that sort of play, that sort of um, ball movement. Uh, they might be able to stifle them a little bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure what Lilydale's home ground is like. I've never been. Uh, it's it's longer than you think, but it's very narrow. Right. Yeah, long and narrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so they, he might be able to clog it up at, uh, at certain points. I think uh, it'll be clogged up. I think it'll just be – it's uh, it's nothing sort of 
says that Montrose should lose, other than mm. the back of my head, it's just one of those games. Yep. I think Montrose might lose, if yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Because Mon- we Josh, can't trust Montrose. It's the same right thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I had Montana South in that category until I actually looked at it closely and figured out that their losses have sort of been those ones where if they'd just kicked one more goal along the way, they would have won. Montrose, on the other hand, Josh, are a bit different. Yeah, I, I still don't trust them really, even though Gary S has done some pretty good stuff there. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a danger game for them. And I think Lilydale will have a bit of confidence knowing that they def- – did defeat them last year out at the LSO, although I think that would have been different conditions. That might have been a night game. Yeah, it was a night game. So that, and I heard it, I heard on the day it was a pretty cold day out there at Lilydale. So that might that might help Montrose a little bit more that they're not playing in the evening. But they've got different routes to goal. You know, Billy Schilling, Mitch Davis, uh, Bailey White's kicked 14, 14 goals. He's been really games. good, hasn't he? Yeah. White? I think that's a, been a real positive for, for Ayers. He, he'd be really excited to have someone at his disposal like White. I think that's a, it's a real upside for their team. And, you know, you can throw Jack Garthway down for it. Down well, he just always gives well. Jack. He's yeah. been doing that for a very long time. So I think... Yeah, Montrose just have a little bit more firepower than Lily Delta at the moment. Yeah, Schilling and Mitch Davis in, and Bailey White is named as their forward line, like the three forwards. That's mm-hmm. pretty pretty dangerous looking outfield. So let's go around. Mitch and Croyne's the only other one that we'll talk about. I guess we can sort of talk about a little bit. Um, like I said, it's another one on paper where Mitchum at home are always better than Mitchum away. They've got obviously Parenti and Lovell, um, and then you've got midfield sort of numbers. Jesse Uren's always um, dominant. and But I just think... Croydon, having watched them last week, they're a real professional side spider. They're one of those teams where we're not a bit like Ringwood, except Ringwood are undefeated. You sort of don't notice them until you know you get to maybe August, and you're like, oh shit, they're third. They've only lost two games. You know, they're well set up behind the ball. They've actually got a number of options up forward. They've got Britain when he's down there, Koga. They had uh, Smallfords, Broussard, McKenzie, Constantino. I think went off. So I'll be interested to see if, if he's named this week. He's uh, no, he's out. So that's unfortunately for them. But yeah, Croydon are the side. Professional unit would get this job done, and I think they will. Yeah, I think they will as well. I think it'll be a bit of an arm wrestle for the majority of the days. They tend to be out at Walker Park, and look, Mitchell will certainly fight for, I think, most of the game, three quarters. I just get a bit of a feeling in that last quarter, quarter might just break away and get a win narrowly and you know cement their spot. Yeah, I think the arm wrestle will probably suit Croydon, uh, yeah. as, we, as we've noticed. Their uh, midfield's so good as well, so... Yeah, that's, yeah. that's another case. So the, clear, the clearances, if there's a lot of clear, if there's a lot of stoppages, then the clearances will just sort of like come naturally for for Croydon. Uh, that again, team defence, uh, I think, as, uh, as was noted against uh, Beaconsfield, was strong. You know, no necessarily huge standout names, uh, but they all fit together and gel quite nicely. Uh, and it's going to be a bit of a struggle. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the um, you know, the two routes to goal that Lilydale have. I think I'm thinking Montrose will be able to cover that. I think Croydon can cover that pretty well with Mitchum, with Parenti and Lovell. Mitchum are finding more um, goals through their midfield a little bit uh, uh, this season with Hallow, uh, Uren uh, and Smythe as well. They're starting to kick a few more goals, but I, I still think that Croydon should be able to outmuscle them in that area anyway. Yeah, I'm with Croydon as well, Josh. Yeah, I was very tempted to tip Mitchum here because it's on. It's out at Walker Park, but you know, I think I, I saw a bit of the the Croydon-Beaconsfield game and Croydon seemed do seem like a really good side, and I think they could get the win down there. Yeah, I think we're on your end. There, the other games, um, we think Beaky will beat Upper Gully. We think Murubaka beat Bayswater. East Ring or Wanny South? Anyone hold a, a flame for Wanny South getting the win there? 
I think he's going to win, but I think they've got to be very careful. But that defence of the Devils is playing some good footy at the moment. You know, Lang, Young, you know, Grimm is playing some good footy. Um, this is a great test for him to go up against a quality four-line setup in, in the Roos at the moment. So they need to step up and continue their development uh, as a team. But I think he's going to be too strong, but good challenge for them. I think the Roos will beat them in the midfield, uh, to be honest. Uh, if they go, if they get forward, uh, one turn of south, they have the weapons down there, as they've continued to prove. Uh, they've got a, a lot of um, a lot of variety down there. Hewitt is starting to get in a roll. Eight goals in two weeks, fourteen for the year, which is which is really you know a nice find um, for for Wanny South. But I think the midfield battle will be where it, will be where it's won for East Ringwood. Um, Just- just, yep. just on East Ringwood, they must think it's a big game. Stevie Dunnell's in, so they've, they've brought out the big guns. Yeah, he Josh. comes here for the big ones. Yeah, he, he comes here for the ones that think danger games. But you're going with the Roos, Jared? Ah, uh, yes, I will be. I think this is also a potential banana slip game for East Ringwood. I know that's a big call, but I think one East South are, are actually a really good side, a lot better than, like you said, their their two and three record suggests. So yeah, I think they'll they'll put up a fight on Turner South. I I reckon it'll be really close but East Ring will just have a little bit more firepower so I think they'll get the win. Well, there you go. I think we're all we're all pretty much in agreement. There's a few interesting games across there. They've split us on the tipping table, but yeah, a, a great little look at those divisions there that are heating up. They're probably the two closest in terms of finals races outside of Premier Division, but all the divisions, as we've mentioned multiple times across the year, are shaping up to be rippers this season. Before we go to a break, you're going to hear from Luke McCormack, the Lillardale coach, to see whether his boys can get up on the weekend. And thanks to Will Spence, who got that interview done during the week. Yes, from the outset, you know, he's obviously one and five, um, sitting ninth the ladder. And, it, you know, it probably doesn't look pretty, but, however, you know, would you say that the ladder probably doesn't reflect the way you guys are going? I mean, you've been playing... Um, some pretty good footy, I thought, and you've you know been in the games for the majority of each game this this season, I reckon. Yeah, mate, that's that's a good perception. Um, that's how we feel. Uh, still bitterly disappointed that we're we're not that we are sitting there because we uh, feel that we are playing pretty good footy at times. I mean, we've been in most games. Uh, we've kicked, uh, you know, bad kicking is bad, bad footy. You keep hearing that, but we've kicked. 9, uh, 14, 10, 17, and, mm. and 9, 15. So, um, you know, realistically, those three games yeah, could have gone our way um, had we have kicked straighter, and you still got to do that. And that's pressure from the opposition, of course, uh, who have been good. Bayswater game was, was super disappointing, and that and that's just, look, that was a concentration lap at the end, and um, basically still had to kick the goal, which they did. It was a phenomenal goal that, that, uh, that he kicked on just before the siren, but... Um, yeah, mate, you look, you're right. We, we feel that we've, we've, we've much improved. Um, obviously we've got a bit of side back, um, few players back with, we've had some continuity this year. Um, we've had some luck with injuries so far, sort of. We, we haven't had been able to have our full forward and rock play in the same game more than once. Um, but at the same time, we, you know, we, we hope that that'll happen going forward. And, and really, as I said, like one and five and we're the latter six where we, 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 we're kind of lucky at the same time that it is going to be such a close comp this year, I think, because that'll help us stay sort of in the mix, even sitting ninth, you know, with, with so many sides on two and four and three and three at the moment. If we can get a couple of the next year, um, with our percentage sort of sits pretty healthy still at the minute, even though it is early, so you just never know, mate. So, so long answer to your question is, yeah, mate, good, good spotting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, like I was looking at it and, you're actually fourth on the ladder for points four. And so, like, you were talking about that, how he's been inaccurate. But 
um, you know, it's, it suggests that, you know, you're having plenty of opportunities um, in front of goal. You're just not, unfortunately, capitalising. But but then, on the other hand, use are eighth in the ladder for, for uh, points against. Um, so has that, has that been a team defence? Like, has that been a major talking point at training? And will that be a major focus against, you know, a potent uh, forward line in Montrose this weekend? Yeah, 100%. Um, that's another good pick up. We, we obviously, every coach and every side wants to work on their transition and accountability these days, and it's such an important part of footy. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, as you know, Julie are still, still young, and we'll continue to say that until, until, until the ages change um, with, with the inexperience that we have. But, you know, what comes with that is, is, is that sort of you know, a, a bit of a lack of leadership out there at times. and um, and so that means that, um, yeah, we've, we've definitely got to work on that, mate. So we have, yeah, we've, we've, let, we've let sides kick goals on us, and that's the thing. Like, we've been in the game for sometimes at least three quarters, and, you know, and, and then we just have little lapses and let sides kick goals. So um, huge focus, mate. It has been, and it'll continue to be. Um, and, and you're right against Montrose this week that, that have got us at a strong forward line, and, um, and no doubt as he plays a pretty pretty direct game, we'll, we'll hopefully... Um, yeah, would be better there. Montrose are sitting fifth on the ladder, but, you know, with quite an even division, as you were talking about, you know, is there belief there for you guys to take a major scalp this weekend? Yeah, look, look, there is. There definitely is. I mean, last year with, with uh, you know, the, basically the poor year that the boys had, you know, they, they beat Montrose at home in a night game. That was a huge win for them. Um, you know, both sides are a little different now, but um, that gave them plenty that'll sort of gives them plenty of belief. But at the same time, yeah, all of our results, you know, not only is there belief, but there's just super hunger and, and, a, and a huge drive there to, to want to get across the line. Um, so, um, yeah, look, the, the, the big thing that I wanted to do because of, you know, the way that the results went last year was just make sure there's a super positive energy around the club and a great great vibe, if you like, which, um, you know, and, and guys want to be there and, and our numbers have been terrific so far and um, from the 19s who are going really, really well, um, you know, and that's, that's sort of, that's giving us a lot of drive as well. But yeah, look, there's, there's massive belief there and, and I think you'll, oh, every week you're going to see a pretty hungry team go out wanting to win and that's, you know, that's what we're seeing. I mean, to be, you know, neck and neck with, well, with East on the weekend and, and just sort of only really let them go in the last quarter, both East and, and Moorabark so far and then, you know, get so close to the other, Sort of three wins, four wins, well, um, or close to wins. Um, yeah, we, we, we hope to get there, mate. So you should see plenty of belief and, and plenty of hunger. Uh, you know, is finals still the major goal at this stage, or is it, you know, player development um, the number one priority after six rounds? Uh, look, after six rounds, it's still, it's definitely still development and, and, you know, just trying to improve every week. And, and I said it right at the start of the year, you've got to be realistic. I mean, where we were and, and, and where we are compared to the other sides, like I knew we were going to be a lot more competitive. And so I guess if you look at where we are after six rounds, we're pretty happy with, I'm certainly happy with the competitiveness. Um, but I sort of thought we would be pretty close to the to, to middle of the table. And, and, I, and I sort of assume, I, I set that as a realistic goal, sort of, I suppose, for the whole season. But with how competitive we are, and, and, and we are still improving every week, um, yeah, you never know, mate. I, I'd, I'd like to think if I'm realistic, if we're realistic, that's probably still following where I see us. Hopefully, you know, finishing. But, but uh, certainly, 
as I said, the positive, mate, is, is that we're seeing is where the, the comp is so even. You just never know. It, 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 could, it could go our way in the second half of the year, so we'll wait and see. Look, uh, good luck for the weekend, mate, against Montrose. I'm sure it's it's going to be a great game of footy to watch. Um, you know, you you boys have been close in you know the majority of games thus far, and I'm I'm hoping that uh you know you might be on the right side of the ledger for this weekend, mate. Good you, Will. Appreciate it, mate. That's yeah. right. Joel wheels around onto his left, goes long inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50. They've got to try and get their hands on this Finn oh, Brown. Finn Brown, brilliant. Can he kick the goal? Finn Brown, he has! Welcome back to the Deakin Uni Weekend Forecast. Matt Fodia, Matt Lee, Jared Beanland and Josh Ward here in the studio now looking at Division 3 and Division 4 and there's a mouthwatering clash in Division 3. Wavy Blues are the front runners at the moment. They've played an extra game or an extra two games for some sides but they are have only suffered one loss and that was way back in round one by two points to Warrandyte so could easily be undefeated the Blues and they're taking on Coldstream who is second in the ladder now. They've moved into there just quietly. You know, they got wins against Warrandyte at home but then tight wins against Scoresby, Glenn Waverley. They beat Fair Park fairly handily. Um, so Coltrim, the hard one, because the wins aren't sort of jumping out at you, but they are 4-1. and one. They're in second. It's a big test for Waverley. Um, but I don't know, Spider, my sort of feeling is I sort of look at it every... Waverley are a bit like my ball and um, <laughs> analogy where I look at the team on paper, I go, they, they can't lose. Um, but, you know, Coltrim, they're well coached. They've got a really strong midfield unit. Um, with, they've got two rucks with Lehman and Smith, Carrigan and Lachlan Craig on the ball. They've, they've got the numbers that might be able to match them in the middle. And obviously with Darcy Fritch, if he's lining up, I think he played in the VFL the other week. So it'll be interesting to see if he's back. Um, he is not. So, but still... Coltrane with us at the moment, they're just winning games and, and slipping a little bit under the radar. One and two, it's going to be a good one out of Mount Waverley. Yeah, it's a good challenge for them. I mean, last week they certainly were put under the acid test by Scoresby, who were very plucky and you know really took it up to them for the majority of the afternoon and just climbed over the line to in the end to get the win. But yeah, you know, look, this game is a you know, it takes it to another level. You're playing the, you know the, the benchmark team in the competition and a team that you know as we mentioned, we we always expect them to. Play play well at home and to win games and the Waverley Blues have been doing that for the majority of the season. They kick goals, uh, they've got a strong forward line, their midfield you know, has been dominant across the board, they transition the ball well from you know, back to forward consistently uh, without fuss, they, they they get the job done four quarters consistently. You know, I think their yeah, coach Tom Langford will be a lot more happy than what he has been in the past couple of seasons you know, with uh, some of their efforts across uh, you know, four quarter periods in games. So look, this was really building up to be a big contest and a good challenge for Coldstream to go there knowing that if they, they put their best foot forward for four quarters, they can be very competitive and who knows, they might come away with the points. But just get the feeling that they might not be able to stop the, the power, the forward power of the Waverley Blues who just at the moment just seem uh, irresistible up forward. They've just, for me, they've got too many options. Going to be a little bit uh, tough, I think, on their defence, uh, the Cougars. I just think the Waverley Blues will get home, but I think this will go relatively deep, but I expect around about 10 to 20 points. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to agree with what you said about um, the four-quarter performance from Waverley Blues. It was something that was missing from them last year, for sure. They did lapse at times, and, uh, you know, they, uh, they weren't able to put teams away when they perhaps should have. Uh, so... This year, you know, past couple of games for Waverley Blues, they've kicked 60 and 54. So not huge scores, but the fact of the matter is that they're getting the wins even in those lower scoring games, which is not what they were doing 
last year. So I think it's a bit of a sign of maturity. Yeah, well, last year they dropped games to Glenn Waverley off the top of my head. Uh, there was a couple others. They they definitely dropped one to Glenn Waverley. And then early on in the year, they lost to Dom Vale as well in a bit of a, not not quite a shock, but you know you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah they have improved yeah. from that maturity um, standpoint, haven't they? Uh, exactly. And I think it might also be, um, maybe, I, I, I don't really know, it might be a symptom of having a, a playing coach as well. To be able to uh, reassess the game just sort of like on the fly uh, when you've you know, got a lot of VFL experience to Langford, so I think and he, he's really keen on professionalism. Like they really treat themselves as quite a professional club. Like their nineteens are in Premier Division, and the way they prepare and, and approach games, Wavy Blues, I think is not of your stereotypical. I think all clubs have improved in that manner. Whitehorse are definitely really good at it in this division as well. But you know that they certainly prepare more like a Premier Division, Division 1 club than maybe your stereotypical Division 3 club of yesteryear, if you know what right, I mean. So yeah. so I think the way they approach that is definitely why there's a bit of an improvement from last year where maybe all the ideas are a bit too advanced for, for the guys that were rolling in. Yep, yep. So that is perhaps where the, you know, where the real maturity is coming from and, and why they're, you know, they're able to grind out games where it might not necessarily be on their terms. It might not be fast-flowing or high-scoring or anything like that. But. It's a bit rope-a-dopey at times, isn't it? They mm. sort of like, they, they let you dance, they let you come here, and then there'll be a quarter here or there where they just pile on six or seven goals. Yeah, yeah. And, and that'll end up being the difference. I think Glenn Waverley didn't kick a goal after maybe half to the third quarter or something like that. So they were in the game, and then the Waverley Blues just put the foot down, Josh. But Coldstream are used to doing that. They did it all last year. And to be honest, like I said, they're sort of going under the radar purely because they're not belting teams, but they, they are really tough. They're staying in games. The Warrandyte game, it looked like Warrandyte tried to pull away from them or tried to, you know, sort of wrestle back the momentum. They wouldn't let them. The Scoresby game, they came from six or seven goals down last week and Glenn Waverley were in front all day and Coldy still got up. So they are a team that won't lie down. Yeah, and I think this game will be a game of momentum and whoever can go, you know, on the longest ride of of, of momentum and, and take advantage of that, it, they'll... Definitely get up, but yeah, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna die trying. Uh, they're not gonna die trying a cold stream, and I think yeah, this is die a good, wondering, die wondering. Was, you had oh, a bit I of Travis Cloak yeah. smoking shadows. <laughs> and stuff there. They're not gonna die wondering, but yeah, it's um yeah, it's a massive test for them. A big out for Waverley Blues is Matt Perry, so they've still got the firepower. You know, Josh Williamson, he's kicked eight goals in his last three games, so he's gonna. I think he yeah, Perry's been out for a few weeks, hasn't he? I don't, I don't think he's kicked. He's been stuck on 19 goals for a while, and it's not, not like him to be stuck uh, mm, there. That's true. But, yeah, Williamson, he's he stepped up. So, yeah, I think both – I think he'll need, to, he'll need to continue to step up. And most some of their other forwards haven't really started firing. You know, Jay O'Connell's only kicked the six goals this year. Hasn't kicked a goal these last couple of weeks. Ton Steele's only kicked the eight. So, I think, yeah, it – I think some of those players will could be set for big games this weekend. But yeah, like I said, it'll be all, a game of momentum and whoever can take advantage of the, that momentum and and kick a bag of goals. Who who have we got in this one, Spider? Who do you think? Uh, Waverly Blues. Yeah, yeah, Waverly Blues, especially Waverly at Blues. home. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Waverly Blues. As I said, I, I can't see them on paper losing games this year. It doesn't mean they won't lose, but but I just look at their their team each week and and find a hard tip against them, but. I sort of agree with you, Spot. I don't think it'll get outside 15, 20 points because Coldy, when they get it going, uh, do have a lot of scoring power themselves. The other games in Division 3, Glen Waverley and Whitehorse. Whitehorse will be 
they'll be looking at this opportunity to get another win and close the gap on that top four. So at the moment, Waterhouse are in fifth. They're behind, obviously, the Wavy Blues on 24 points, Coldstream and Warrandyte on 16, as well as Donvale, I think. Jared, have you got the ladder there in front? Uh, I don't actually, but yeah. It is I think Donvale's Don Val, Don yep. in fourth, but maybe Whitehorse on the same wins. Re- regardless, yep, yeah. maybe a win behind. Uh, regardless of that, Whitehorse are the only real side I see outside the top four at the moment that can make a, a challenge. You know, Scoresby, Fair Park, whilst they've both got two wins, um, their percentages in the 70s, which indicates that they're, they're a bit off the mark. And obviously, Furniture Gully are, are way back mm. um, in, in last. So you can't say they're making it. So a chance for Whitehorse to just keep the pressure up because Coldstream or Wave Blues are going to drop a game. And Furniture Gully do host on Vale. And we've seen all throughout the year that Furniture Gully keep getting close. Eventually, they are going to win a game. And it might be this week against Donvale Spider. Yeah, it could be. Look, I think the one thing, you, when you go up against a team like Donvale that's been in... You know, pretty good form. They're they're going there knowing that they're going to have a game of you know a game of footy on their hands to win. But Furniture Gully, they, they've got a lot. They've got to improve a lot. They just haven't had anything go right for them at all this so far this season. So uh, you know, there's a big stakes on the line for them just to get something happening. But Donval for me. Uh, looking like they're going to be uh, a team that's going to continue on their way, winning ways. They're going to be a team that's going to be in contention for finals. So I think they'll get the win. Yeah, I reckon. Well, Fantry Gully, they must have done something right to stop Waverley Blues from. I think their midfield's the just like I think their midfield's just it's as pressure. good. And yeah. you know, we saw them. You called the game, Jared. Yeah. Their midfield's just as good. Like they probably win. They won the clearances that day against mm. Warren Dye, and they, you know, they obviously competed really well with the Waverley Blues midfield. Yeah. Um, it's just they can't kick goals. Like they, they, have, they hadn't exactly. kicked a goal up until sec- the second quarter, like late in the second quarter on the weekend. Like they're stuck on six behinds. Yeah, it, it's yeah, their forward line is definitely like where where it's falling down, and, and I think that also puts a pressure on the ruck position as well because Dieso has to go down forward if they're going to. And he's take not some a natural forward. Is he's, he? he's not either. Um, he looks good. He can look good when he goes down forward occasionally. But I, he, in terms of like craft and, and knowing your space and stuff, he's a good guy to kick it long to. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't really isolate him. You know, no. like you might be able to isolate a Josh Williamson um, or, or, or even up the division. You know, you can isolate a Charlie Haley and you know if you give him 30 metres of space, he'll do something in it. Mm, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and with Harvey uh, having to go into the ruck, he, he played been doing well. well. He played well against uh, uh, Warrandyte, but I think against uh, a player like Haig, you know, he, he's going to struggle. Well, Haig's such Haig. an experienced competitor. He's yeah. such a great player in and his They own sort role. of play, DSO and Haig sort of play similar roles in terms of they don't really have a big leap. They're almost like an extra midfielder, aren't they, Spider? Once the ball hits the deck, they are. Obviously, Haig probably got a few more years left in him than Diesio does, but that might be the, the only advantage. Maybe a younger player like Harvey might be able to have, maybe especially at the centre bounces, getting a, a bit more of a leap on Haig. Possibly, but I, I think in the conditions that we may be presented with tomorrow, yeah, I think uh, it sort of goes in a bit of Haig's favour because he can sort of dictate the terms on the way he wants the game to be played, you know. So, and he can get that if he can get that first use to to his midfield group, then that's that all goes well for them. So, I just think that he's he's got the footy smarts about him at the moment. Harvey's still, you know, learning that craft. So we'll have to wait and see. But for me, Donvar will win and will win comfortably. You talk about, you know, Fantry Gully not having firepower up forward. Donvale, it's the exact opposite. And it's hard for me to to, to see how the, how the Eagles um stop stop the Magpies attack. You know, Nick Nick Murphy, we all know the season he's had. But they've got other, they've got other options. Harry, Harry, Harry Giles has kicked 10 goals in, in five games this year. James Rouse has kicked, kicked six. So 
it's hard for me to see them stopping that forward line, and yeah, I think that'll get Dom Fowler over the line. What about the other two games? I mentioned Whitehorse there, Jared. They'll be looking at this as, like I said, an opportunity to, to build some more momentum, kick another big score against a struggling Glen Waverley outfit, close them both percentage on Donvale, um, but also close the gap on at least one side because you would assume that at least one of Wavy Blues and Coldstream are going to lose. Um, and then also Scoresby host Warrandyte and Warrandyte did slip up there last year. So Whitehorse will be looking at this round as a key round to take advantage. Yeah, I, I really like Whitehorse in this one. Um, I think it's a really good opportunity for them to continue to run their team into form as well. Uh, you know, with a few inclusions and uh, perhaps some different roles being played by uh, by certain players this year, uh, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for for Whitehorse to, you know, consolidate their craft uh, against, as you said, a struggling Glen Waverley. Who, I mean, they got hit by COVID last week, didn't they? Yeah, they had to forfeit their reserves. Yeah. So, so even if they get those players back, they're not going to be at their best. No, it's a significant blow, and it's one that's going to like continue to have an impact going forward. Uh, unfortunately for them, it's got to be. I mean, Whitehorse for me. I think even without the the COVID situation it would, oh, it yeah, would be Whitehorse um, even, even the, they're the better side at full strength yeah exactly exactly um, so you know I, I really like Whitehorse going forward and with uh, you know Warrandyte maybe uh, against uh, well they haven't against they, it with Scoresby they saw the anti-Ferntugali like they haven't really hit their straps yet but they kept winning games so yeah. so there is a chance Josh for Scoresby to maybe pull one out of the fire if, if Scoresby would win this one that would probably rule them out of rele- well not rule them out but it would make them uh, a lot more confident about avoiding relegation again the double drop we have to keep mentioning it when we talk about <laughs> Division 3 and and I'm sure Whitehorse will have their black and white jumpers on as soon as the game finishes yeah I, I think they probably would but yeah it's, this is also a banana slip game for for a four and type but I think the Scoresbury will take a bit of confidence knowing they did beat them out, out in there out there last time around. But you know this Warrandyte side is still a very talented side, and I think it's sometimes certain that they're just going to start clicking, and it could potentially be this week. So I, I'm still going. I'm still backing Warrandyte to get the win. Spider. I'll tip Warrandyte, but I just want to preface on saying that Scoresby, as we mentioned, played really well last week. Yes, they got the six, seven goals up, but just were unable to go on with the job. And I know Bard, Christian Bards, I'd be disappointed with that. He's got something to work with. If they can continue to, you know, the confidence and working together, wins will come for them. But I've just got a bit of a feeling this one against Warrandyte might be a little bit beyond them. Uh, I think this one could round about the 10 to 20 point again. I think they'll be in the match most of the afternoon, but I'm just not sure they're going to be able to kick enough goals to get the job done. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I sort of agree with all the points made there. It's a banana skin because scores be our better side than the sum of their parts. They're well coached, like with sort of my saying for the day. But Warren Knight eventually are going to click. So, uh, And this division's always close. There's no real side that's right off the ball, even though Ferngigali are yet to win a game. That Every week you know you're going to get a good game out of the Eagles. We dropped down in Division 4. Uh, I think there will be a blowout in this one. I think Forest Hill are, are coming off the bye and also a loss to um, Corey North Hemlock which, as we mentioned at the time, was it was bound to happen. Eventually, one of those sides would lose, but um, they did lose, and it sort of hit them hard, Forest Hill, I think. But going into the bye, I don't know whether it's a bad thing or a good thing, Spider. Was the bye a good thing because they sort of just didn't think about footy for a week, or was it a bad thing because they stewed on it? They would have been pleased by the fact that Croydon North almost pipped Churnside, so it's less... Um, 
the word embarrassing I don't think should have come to mind, but I'm sure there would have been people in the Forest Hill community that were a tiny bit embarrassed by it. Problem is they're coming up against a Sylvan team that are just smacking everyone. So it's sort of a hard game to bounce back at. They would have wanted to play maybe a, a Surrey Park or a Churnside where if they got the win, it would really drive them, but it's hard to see them winning against this silver outfit? Well, I suppose what it comes down to is what you stand for as a club and it's the soul-searching in terms of the four-quarter performances and we're just not seeing that from Forest Hill in recent times. They're a better football team than this and they probably, you know, between themselves, within the four walls of their change rooms, they all probably have to believe that and they have to sit down and, I suppose, really map out where they want to head as a club. Are they a club that has an ambition or desire to to start climbing the divisions or do they just want to start winning games of footy or what do they really want to get out of 2022? So I think the first step for them against Sylvan is to be competitive, right, to be winning the first quarter to be winning the second quarter and to really make sure that they're in the game for long periods of time. Yeah, perhaps they might not win the game overall, but at least they need to show their their members, their supporters and themselves as a playing group that they are capable because they are. They are capable, but, but they're just not showing it collectively and as a club at the moment and as a team. So I think that would have all been addressed over the last couple of weeks. They know that their performances aren't acceptable, and I'm sure tomorrow uh, at home and you know they'll give a better account of themselves. But for me, Sylvan are the team to play this. We all know that they're head and shoulders above the rest. Whether this gets out to 10, 15 goal margin, time will certainly tell. i just got a bit of a feeling, though, that Forrest Hill, with all what we've just said, you know, there's a little bit on the line tomorrow. So I think that they'll be competitive for most of the day. On round about the seven to eight goal mark, I think Sylvan will get home. Croydon North Surrey Park is an interesting one. I'll go to you, Josh, as our resident Surrey mm-hmm. Park man. Uh, Croydon North, so obviously knocked off Forest Hill by, what, six, seven goals. Uh, had a shot after the Siren to beat Croydon North, missed it. Uh, sorry, to beat Chernside Park, missed it. But uh, Chernside Park did kick 8-17. So, but still, another game where if Croydon North had won that, all of a sudden they're in the four and they're, they're talk- they'd are they be targeting climbing up um, the ladder even further. So this game against Surrey Park is another one where Croydon- they'll be brimming with confidence. They've beaten Forest Hill. They probably, a few of them, they could probably make the argument they should have won last week. You know, mm-hmm. they kicked, I think, the last five or six goals of the game. Yeah. And now they come out against Surrey Park side that haven't really clicked, as you mentioned, like Warren Dyett, and don't really have a real star player like Sylvan do, <laughs> or Churnside as well with Slattery and so on. So Cora North will be really raiding their chances. Well, we saw last week, you know, with Surrey Park, I think they might have unearthed the star in, in Parker Fox. You know, he kicked the four goals that I think... That will give. Uh, uh, he'll be rooming with confidence as well this week, and they've got plenty of talented players. You know, Matt Pollock in their forward line. Uh, you got you got Mitch Gale, Ryan Ke- Ryan Kennedy, or Zach Tempany, all those talented players. But yeah, Corin North are, are just as talented. But yeah, they'll feel hard done by last week again. Given it was a kick after the siren, I did catch a glimpse, and it was a really tough, a really tough shot from from the boundary. So it would have been a, it would have been miraculous if that had gone in. But yeah, they'll feel hard done by it. It, it is a danger game here for Surrey, but I just think they've got they've got a little too much talent, and I think they'll get over the line. Jared, yeah, I've uh, look, I've got Surrey in this one as well because I think a couple of. Well, we've got a few more um, recognisable names starting to come back for Sorry, You know, they were a little bit threadbare when they played Churnside, as, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. And I think that could we could look back on that game and see it as a bit of an anomaly. I think 
Surrey Park are looking very much uh, a strong second to Sylvan. I think there's there's definitely daylight between first and second, and I think there's honestly daylight between second and third as well. Uh, and so, like Croydon North getting uh, getting close to Churnside, getting the win over Forest Hill, that's uh, that's all well and good. They're obviously improving. I just think that they need maybe like. I don't know another year or maybe you know a few more games of of uh, experience into some of their players and into gelling their uh, their resources uh, to start catching up with the with the top two. What about you, Spider? Can you yeah, make couldn't an agree argument? more? Well, look, they're an almost team, North Corn. They're they're performing really well. Uh, they're showing some really good signs as a club. They've taken some really significant steps forward, and that's exciting for everyone involved with that club going forward. Yeah, couldn't get the win last week, but they'll learn from that. You know, there was probably times in the game they probably felt that they had control of it. It, it's got out of their, it slipped out of their hands at the last minute. But in terms of Surrey Park, look, they are the second best team in it. You know, some of the names that you mentioned, Gale, the Tampanese, you know, we mentioned Kennedy regularly. We mentioned all those players. They're regularly, you know, Contributors, they've unearthed a player in Fox, uh, so that's that's good that they're bringing and developing players in from their under nineteens programs. They've got you know good depth within the club, so I think Surrey Park will get the job done in this game. And uh, yeah, exciting times around Surrey Park if uh, they can start to put some good wins together. I'm just on the I'm on the Kangarams bandwagon. That's what I'm saying. I just you know I tipped them as far as two, and then they got close against Churnside. I can just feel like you know I honestly think them Kilsyth they're eyeing that fourth spot because Forest Hill are there for the taking, as we mentioned. Um, but nonetheless, the other game is another warning in Churnside Park. Churnside uh, kicked inaccurately uh, last weekend, so probably should have won more comfortably with them by the one point. Another warning have been improved, I think, especially at home. The, you know, they played the Sylvan game. If you watch it, uh, the, the bits and pieces I did watch, the balance of play is actually pretty even. It's just Sylvan have that firepower. So given Churnside Park don't really punish teams like in, in terms of you know, that scoreboard pressure. I think Nutter Wadding, it'll be more competitive on the scoreboard, but yeah, Churnside Park should get the win there and, and hold their spot in second place. No one's arguing with that description. No. But bad kicking is bad football is. as well, and they opened the door for you know, North Corrin last week, but yeah, they could have easily blown that game away, and that game would have been over. They should have done it early, so Churnside definitely should have, should have killed the game earlier. I think they left the door ajar for Corrin North, who almost snuck in. Um, so I don't think they'll make the same mistake this week against Nutter Wadding. Yeah, you wouldn't think so, but Nutter Wadding, they just got to keep persisting and you know, keep improving. Well, they should be looking at Croydon North, uh, although they're probably jealous that Croydon North, is, they've been able to do it quicker than Nutter Wadding, but they should be looking at them spot as their inspiration, you would have thought. You would have thought so, and, and it is. Sometimes when you're when you're a lower side, it's taking the little wins, and it might be winning a quarter here, winning a quarter there, you know, stopping a key player. From doing something in a game, you know, doing something really positive for your team, uh, it might be you know a, a passage of play that links up and connects, and you know, and that's replicated time and time again, and you know, so and and just reinforcing the disciplines of why why what you do week after week to become a good team. So if none of what it can get those basic fundamentals right, there's no reason why they can't win games similar to what North Croydon have done so far this season, and and they can share the spoils of victory as well. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to go to another break here on the Deakin Uni weekend forecast. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about Premier Division, that big top-of-the-table clash between Tongasar East and Roval, and we're going to have Tyler Lewis, Packham Gazette sports reporter, on the line to talk all things about the Hawks.
He's about 40 out. Have a shot. He's going to have to. He's going to play on. Run around. Give himself some room. Set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes. He's got it. Back to four points. What a good goal that was. The Red Jackets are up and about. Nine seven. Welcome back to the Deakin Uni Weekend Forecast. That sort of ended abruptly there, that uh, that intro. I didn't let it play out. That's the first time I would let it play out the full way. But yeah, welcome back. Premier Division stuff now. Matt Fodia, Matt Lee, Jared Beanland, Josh Warden. We've got a special guest on the line, Tyler Lewis. Uh, straight into it, top of the table clash. Roville undefeated on top, 5-0 and the Hawks. They're, they've been super impressive. And then you've got Doncaster East who lost to Vermont by a goal in round one and obviously there was a bit of controversy. The quarter ended a bit shorter earlier minutes. than everyone thought. We've heard about that week in, week out from BWS. So they could easily have been 5-0. and They're playing some really good footy as well and have knocked off similarly strong sides like South Croydon uh, and obviously Noble Park last week. That was a massive win from the Lions. You know, not many teams score 100 against that Noble defence. Both teams play a high possession style, particularly Donny East who are very they like to keep the ball and sort of spread the defence with their ball movement. Um, and then they have depth through the middle and the forward line, obviously in the forward line. Feel and Rowe, Zach Clark rest down there. Dylan Ollie kicked six goals last week. So there's options of plenty down there. And then Rove, on the other hand, pressure and speed. They're young, they're quick. And then obviously they've got some leaders in Anthony Brolick, Alex Frawley, and then Lockie McDonald, who is dominating this year. If it wasn't for Kyle Martin's sort of statistical numbers, we'd be just talking about Lockie McDonald's numbers so far this year. Uh, Roval are the best side on the outside, number one ranked uncontested disposal side. And Donny East averaged more on the inside than the Hawks. Um, and the Lions have really good kicking efficiency. So they're the best side by foot. Uh, whereas Rovio have the, a pretty high turnover game. So we'll see how those things play out. But I've waffled on too long. We're going to talk to our special guest, Tyler Lewis from the Packenham Gazette. Tyler, you're our Rovio man on the ground, mate. Uh, you must be looking forward. Are you making the trip out to Zerby's Reserve? No, I'm not. I'll be at, uh, at the uh, Division One Beaconsfield game, actually. So you've got me on at, a, at an indifferent time, Fox, but um, watched most of the games this year from, from Roville. And from what I've seen, it's been pretty impressive. What, tell us more about Rovil. We hear from Ray Baird, our Rovil man, but we want to hear a different point of view. You know, you don't know as much about sort of the history of the club and, and those players that have been around forever. So you've probably got more of an objective view of the way the Hawks are going about it. What's impressed you? What can we expect when we eventually do get around to seeing them live? Yeah, well, the last time we were on the phone, fought, ironically, and what you said there, you're actually giving me directions to get to Rovil as my first year covering them this year. Um, but now we're on the phone talking about them. But I think what I noticed the most, because I caught the last quarter last week against uh, South Croydon, is they just look too fit, too strong, like you spoke about there. But I guess what I've been sort of blown away with with Roval this year is they've been able to win it in a scrap and they've been able to win it in a shootout, like you mentioned just before. They've, they've kicked 100 points uh, against Noble Park and they, they ran away with it on the weekend. But they've also been in some, some low-scoring scraps, which is a really promising side. And, and Ben Wise really isn't setting, settling for some mediocrity, you know, he said that they played 20 minutes of good footy on the weekend and that was it. So they've knocked off one of the contenders and from his point of view, they were, they were uh, SH, the, the expletive. I don't know whether you boys run with that on uh, this, go, but go yeah, for, they were pretty... It, mate. I drop them all the time. <laughs> oh, he said they were shit out. He said they were shit out for three quarters and then it took 20 minutes and they still got the chocolates, which is probably a really pleasing thing for him and his coaching staff. Well, Tyler, it's uh, Matt Spottler here, and it's great to have a chat to you and talk about Roval. But because we spoke to Ben about a month ago going into the season and a couple of games in, and Ben's got the maturity look now that, you know, coming into, you know, I suppose, uh, you know, he's starting to embrace that, that role as coach. And I think now 
we've been very critical of Rovo over the last couple of years where we haven't been really able to trust them. There was a lot of inconsistent performance. But now we I think that we we look at them now there's a lot more belief and trust within the way that they play and the the capacity to be able to move the ball, transition the ball. And I think what we've probably learnt from Ben is that probably pretty similar to what you've said. Yeah, they had 20 minutes only last week. But apart from that, they've played some really solid four-quarter performances right throughout the course of the year. Yeah, and Ben's leading leading the charge there. And I'm glad you sort of mentioned the word belief because it is really growing down there from what he's told me. And it's a, it's an amazing word when it comes to footy because it can if you don't have belief, you can really fizzle out. And if you have a lot of it, you can really do some amazing things. And I, I, sent, a, I sent a photo to Fott the other day of, of – I just went back and looked at the season preview of Roeville and I know you guys would have done it as well, but I certainly didn't have Roeville win the position that they are now. And, and specifically, I asked Ben – what are people are going to think about Roeville at the bye? And um, I've got the I've got the quotes here. He said, "I'm hoping they're going to be blown away with the way we compete, um, putting our hat in the ring, competing with the better sides, and hopefully there's plenty of wins on the board." And and then he spoke about how he wanted a bit of respect. He wanted a bit of respect from of his side, and he wanted to be looked at the way Vermont and Orwins and Blackburns are, are looked at, and said that they were actually envious of those clubs, and that they wanted to be treated with the same sort of respect and. You see the sides they've knocked off in the first five weeks. I, I think they've got that from what I've seen. It's just the attitude, isn't it? The, and it's a change of attitude for club. It doesn't take a lot, but it's something to that you hold in your hand, isn't it? And I think Ben's really uh, grabbed that in that first month of footy. We've mentioned that uh, Roval. Uh, we've mentioned that Roval wasn't necessarily going to be predicted to be uh, higher up on the ladder. I think one of the main sore points that we had in the preview. Uh, uh, preview uh, podcasts is that they had some VFL players that were going to come in and out of the side. Uh, has that necessarily been much of an impact uh, on Roville from from your uh, from your viewpoint? Um, on field, probably not in what what I've heard, but I feel that the off field, in terms of the track, the the standards are better, and their organic growth has been so much more impressive because. What Ben has said, they've gone away and had a pre-season at a VFL club and they've come back better footballers and their training standards have been lifted. And they've then brought that back to Roeville and then they've set the bar a bit higher for their teammates. So, you know, Anthony Brolick's a, a fantastic VFL footballer and, and the others, are, the bit of organic growth within the club has come from VFL training and all that sort of stuff. And they've just basically lifted as a unit, which is a really positive sign for them. And Tyler as well, has has there been any other players from Roval that has stood out to you and could play big roles um, this coming weekend as well? Oh, um, I think one that really stood out for me that was someone that I didn't, didn't know his name on paper first covering the side was uh, Jesse Eikhoff from down in down in the back line. And, and Ben sort of kept him really close to his chest when he was playing against Charlie Haley the other week. And he did a really good job. And, and from all reports, actually got the praise of, of Charlie himself. So... The, uh, the cat's out of the bag in, in that regard. Um, no doubt Bowen and, and Haley would do some, do some work on, on, um, Jesse and things like that. So he's probably got to step up even a bit, bit more next time they come across paths. But yeah, him, him down in the back line and, and then just the spread going forward. They've got multiple goal kickers every week. It's not usually coming from just one or two sources. Um, they seem to have eight or nine when they're kicking over, over 70 points. Tyler, how much do you know about Doncaster East then? Because we'll go into the Doncaster East side and feel free to chip in um, and we'll open it up to just a bit of a conversational stuff now, gents. But Doncaster East, on the other hand, similar sort of thing to Roval, except they were a bit more vocal, I guess, about their 
desire to become a bit more professional, to, to become a Premier Division side first and foremost, and then a Premier Division contender. And they've done that. They've, like I said, if it wasn't for you know a kick here or there, they'd be undefeated as well. And this game would be, you know, the coming of two two maybe giants um, together. Um, slightly different style in terms of they're just as quick, but they will try to use the ball a little bit more measured. Um, I feel Spider and Jared, we saw them out at Shrams Reserve. What do you think? How do you think they'll go about this game against Roville, Joe? I think they'll want to uh, change gears based on how Roville come at them. I feel like Roville might still be a little bit of uh, an unknown quantity to a, to a Doncaster East. You know, I, I can't remember if they managed to play each other in the confusion. Uh, of I don't last think they did season. last year. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, and with it being a new Roval anyway, or very much a new look Roval anyway, it, it's, it might be a bit of a tricky one for Doncaster is to know exactly how to match up uh, against them, especially with their inside mids being uh, one of their strengths and the pressure of of Roval being one of those strengths that they're going to have to go up against, you know, it, it might yeah, they the might need to the matchups in the middle. Sorry to cut you off, yeah, and, and Tyler, you might be able to jump in here as well. You know, so Frawley, Brolick, McDonald are the, the three key midfielders. But how do you think have sort of people run with them from the games you've seen, Tyler, or is it sort of or have clubs sort of put their midfielders head to head? Because we spoke to Ryan James last week from Johnny East, and they didn't tag Cole Martin; they just put really good players next to him and tried to even out that battle. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a really good point. But with with Brolic in particular, um, Ben has shown no sort of hesitation in throwing uh, Brolic to full forward or even putting him at half back if he is copying a tag. So whether they do go that tag, I don't think that is going to phase them. But you, you mentioned in the in the the tip before that Doncaster East was you know kicked a hundred against Noble, and these two teams are the only two sides to do that this year. So. I think it's seven of their last 32 games, something like that, Noble Park, 100 points, and two of them have come this year against these two sides. So I'm interested to see whether it's going to be a shootout or just a bit of a, a dogfight. And you've got to remember too, Spider, those 32 games would have included that year in 2019 where they weren't the side they are now, Noble. So really, um, you would suggest it's only been two or three games in, in the Steve Hughes era. Yeah, you would have to say so. No, I have to agree with you there. I think when you look to this game, uh, you know, we know Doncaster or Deluca is in... Deluca's having a really good year. James Appleby. Appleby having a great year, feeling uh, Simon White doing some really good things. Uh, Gordon down back. Uh, They really have the makings of a really stable outfit uh, and a team that can really take on this rival team. So it's going to be game on right from the outset. And, you know, I think, you know, we've got two quality midfields. We've got a defence going up against a forward line setup that is working, uh, that is working in good system. They're kicking good scores. We well, know Reece, and uh, just to jump in, they're kicking good scores and each week someone else kicks a bad. Well, that's what I was just exactly going to say. So they're getting good contribution from everyone. And I think that heralds a real mark of an outstanding team. Team. So I think that's where this game is going to absolutely go down to the wire and it's very hard to pick a winner. And you just get the feeling, though, that this has got every you – know, going to go down to the absolute wire. Well, you're I, making me feel a fool for planning too far ahead <laughs> with my match of the rounds here, Spider. If I'd, if I'd maybe said it one week at a time, we'd, we'd be heading out to Zerbies and Pete Sowers be the, 
Doncaster East president has been hounding me because he can't be at the game this week. He wanted it live. He wanted it live. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he'll send it up somehow. Tyler, feel free to stick on the line, mate, and jump in with other other Premier Division games here. We're going to start. Nord Park Orchards, we'll skim that to them. We'll just sort of get tips at the end because that is our match of the round. Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation round as well. Love the game, Josh. I don't know how much you guys gamble. I don't gamble because I hate losing money. But uh, th- that is the round, uh, the VRGF round. That's why we're heading out to Nord Park Orchards. Both clubs taking part um, in that one. But it's an interesting game nonetheless. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. Noble Park Blackburn. So Noble Park coming off a, a big loss to Doncaster East, their second big one of the year, uh, taking on a Blackburn team that, you know, we're stringing some form together and then drew against Berwick. Um, I saw Blackburn today. Got two players, uh, Aducci and Atherton, I believe, back from VFL, which will add to their stocks. But Noble Park, they'll be looking to bounce back, Jared, and I have a feeling they might be way too good for the burners. Yeah, look, the quality gap there is pretty prevalent, I think, uh, in terms of like the way we've seen Noble Park play, the sort of teams that they go up against and, and play well against. Uh, Blackburn, the past three games they've played, uh, they're against teams below them on the ladder. So they are starting to run into some form, but there is a bit of an asterisk. I think they're the quintessential them. Blackburn. Well, obviously they drew it very, but I think they'll beat the bottom five. Yeah. And they'll lose to the top five, and it'll be that game against the sixth-place team that decides whether they can jump in. But it just felt like a bit of a loss for me last week. Oh, well, definitely, when you're up by four goals. I think when you look at it, Berwick walked away with two points and probably would have felt more like a win, whereas... Well, that always happens, doesn't it? You feel like you probably lost the game. You've let it sleep, and uh, that that was how I sort of read it. But I think they're going to really struggle at Noble Park. They're just not going to be able to kick a winning score against uh, a team that's uh, going pretty well at the moment in the Bulls. Tyler, you've seen Noble, and I don't know how much you've seen of Berwick. What can you take out of Blackburn and Berwick's draw, and then what do you expect, expect to happen at the Bull Ring? Yeah, I cover both Berwick and Noble as well as Roval, so I've seen quite a bit. Um, I, I don't expect um, Blackburn to be able to put up a big score here. I agree with what we've just said there. Um, Steve was pretty, he used the word narky at his back six when they conceded over 100 against Roville. So I would have hated to be a fly on the wall in that change room ahead of training this week because he would have been pretty narky again. But yeah, Berwick, uh, too right, they did come away thinking that that was a bit of a win, even though they were a goal ahead with 30 seconds left they probably should have come away with the win themselves. So, um, yeah, they've come away with two points, got off the duck. But, yeah, can't see them really getting over Vermont away this week. Yeah, if you do have some time, watch those last couple of minutes. There's no sound, unfortunately, on the footage out at Morton Park. But, yeah, Berwick do hit the front and then Samuel Hart gets a free kick, 30 metres out directly front, kicks a goal, and then Blackburn actually get the next clearance but don't sort of overpossess and the siren goes. But, yeah, a massive couple of points there to Berwick because of the context of the relegation race. And North Ring would travel to Ball and, and Doncaster host South Croydon. So Doncaster, two wins in a row, Josh. Mm-hmm. So they've sort of got a bit of a monkey off the shoulders. They've beaten the two sides that they're probably battling it out with in Berwick and North Ringwood in consecutive weeks. And now the pressure's on North Ringwood especially because they haven't got any points. Um, they want to try and get some momentum going before they face Berwick, while Berwick hosts Vermont. And, and like Tyler just said, they'll be buoyed with that. And I also think Vermont are going to get found out on the big ground. So it's a it's a bit of a banana uh, skin game uh, for the Eagles. Well, the Eagles, it's at the Eagles' home deck. Oh, sorry, is it? I've read it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the curtain here. Yeah. I still think Berwick are a chance. Berwick are a chance because yeah, Vermont. They haven't convinced me these last couple of we- these last couple of weeks. Their, their performances, well, their last week performance against North Ringwood wasn't the greatest. You know, they should have. It looked like they should have won by a lot more. And, but but they didn't. They kicked the eighteen behinds and only the. But they must have done goalkeeping tra- practice or training that week yeah. because they came out against Park Orchards and kicked fourteen four. Yeah, won the game. Yes, yeah, so, and I think 
they will have a bit of confidence from that result from that result. But Berwick, yeah, they'll be looking they'll be looking to potentially cause an upset. I just think Vermont are a little too strong, and North Ringwood are born as well is also a very interesting game. You know, I think North well North Ringwood will look to take it up to another contender as well out in their home deck too. You know, they got close to the Donny East out there, but they only just lost. But you know, Bowen will be det- will be determined to continue on continue on get get the win, but. Yeah, that could potentially be an interesting game out of Quamby. Jared, what about you? Doncaster and South Croydon. That's the, the one. The only thing that comes into it is Doncaster at home, and they'll have confidence they've got a great on-ball crew. But Tyler as well, you saw South Croydon last week. We've seen South Croydon. Surely they'll bounce back, Jared. I, th- I think South Croydon should bounce back. Uh, I think it's one of those games where if there's, you know, 16 goals or more kicked in the uh, for the whole game, you know, South Croydon should should take it. If Doncaster are able to keep make it, it below scrap. that, yeah, make it a scrap, exactly. Uh, I think that yeah, they could actually topple South Croydon. I'm not 100% convinced on South Croydon this year just yet. I know it might sound a little silly to say, especially after, you know, them being very strong finals contenders last year. I've just... You know, been looking at some of the some of the games that they've played, and I think the most impressive one was against Roval. Uh, uh, most impressive loss that they've had was against yeah, Roval. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, they let Blackburn in a, a little bit uh, during that game. They yeah, there was just moments of brilliance, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I would say that Doncaster, if they can sort of like turn it into a scrap, they can take away those moments of brilliance and start to you know put the clamps on. Uh, but I would be surprised if Doncaster won this for sure. But I just think, you know, as we've been saying, someone's been eating bananas a lot of bananas. Skin. I do eat a lot of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, uh, I think that it is exactly what it is for South Croydon here at Shrams Reserve. What about what about you, Tyler? Did you actually see South Croydon last week? What, what did you think about them if you did? Yeah, I saw South Croydon in, I think it was round one against Berwick as well as just the last quarter. On the weekend, and I have to agree with that. There, there was patches of really, really good footy, but they actually let Berwick back in as well. So I think they might have. I think Berwick or South Run, I forgot now. Someone kicked the first three goals of the game there and just sort of let it slide, and the game really changed from there. But I think if they don't really win it on the inside, they're, they're sort of struggling from there, um, just from what I've seen. Um, and then, I, but I still, in saying that, I still think that they they come away with the, uh, the four points here. Yeah, absolutely. They've got the uh, one thing with South Croydon Spider is that their depth's always been an issue for them. Um, they're not they're not a Vermont or a Blackburn or, or even a Roval, especially when Roval were flying high a few years back, where the reserves were just as strong. Um, so Nick Evans is out. Mason Haller and Ishim will go back to Eastern Rangers. Perhaps they get James Williams uh, Wilson back. So, it, but South Croydon all this year they haven't been able to put that best twenty two on the park probably since Anzac Day, whether it be injuries to Cox and then uh, Daniel King obviously had the wedding. And each week it seems like, you know, Matt Jones has been out for a little bit. You know, each week it seems like they lose a key player, they get one back. They lose a key player, they get one back. So it's interesting to see if they can keep scrapping wins together. Yeah, they've just got to keep uh, putting putting the wins on the board and hopefully they can get those players back over time. But, this, you know, if they, if they can get these wins like t- tomorrow, we know – uh, Max King's having an outstanding season. He would have to be – he'd be winning the best and fairest by well, he, a be, long he'd way. He'd be the South, winning the South Korean one, definitely, and he'd be a and smoky. He would be, I would say at the moment he'd be King in goals, my top couple for the Gilbert Chan or at the moment. Yeah. He would have to be uh, right amongst the, uh, the leaders and because he wouldn't have too many players taking votes off him at this point in time. But look, he, he's their real barometer at the moment, someone that's really leading from the front. But I still think that they've got it's a big chance. coming up against Jake Spencer, chance. though. So, oh, look, it's a big yeah. challenge for him. But I, I still think he's up for the challenge. He's a quality player. Uh, we know what he can do. 
too. So, but I think he'll get the job done. I think South Gordon will get the job done. And this I, is Doncaster's probably best twenty-two. The only thing is they bring back. So they obviously no changes. The only two things is in. So they've added to their bench, but in Campbell, Tweedy, and Liam Coglin who are pretty good players. So, But I think we all agree South Corinne should win, but there's just a bit of a, you know, yeah. sometimes teams get on rolls, and Doncaster are a team who get on rolls. They did it last year. I think they won three and four, and then didn't win a game outside of that little patch, and were pretty poor outside of it. So they, they do find a way. The other game we haven't really spoken about in length because it is our match there, and it's Norton Park Orchards, but spot, you three won't actually be there tomorrow. So mm. what can you give me? Give me a few words on, on those two clubs because – you know, Norwood are one and four. They go one and five. It's panic station. Oh, this is season defining. And this yeah. is this is pretty much... There's uh, more pressure on them because Park Orchards, as long as they stay up, it's probably mission accomplished. Well, Norwood are probably... Norwood are, are, are on the current form, they're not going to play finals. I mean, that, the, the reality is they're not playing well enough. They have, We thought they were going to uh, have a better season than what they've had, but they're just not playing well collectively as a team currently at the moment, which has been very disappointing. And... They've just had their opportunities in games and let them sleep. Um, if the, the midfield is is playing okay, but they're just not getting the results down for at the moment, and they're not kicking goals. enough goals to win games. So that is their big issue, and that's something that Marty Pask has to address as a coach. He's got to get the best out of his players, and uh, I think defensively they've been okay, but they just uh, at times they've been a little bit wanting uh, around the ground in, in some key areas. And that's not a pro- scoring is not a problem as well with Park Orchards. It's the no, they like scoring. They, they do. Scoring. They're, they're good at <laughs> their it. Lowest, so. Their lowest score has been fifty three, but against Blackburn as well. But we know how strong Norwood's defence is. You know Tristan Tweedy. Tweedy's back in as well, which is a which is a very handy inclusion. Daniel Daniel Potts. Well, that's been a big problem, time. hasn't it? Yeah. So, Tweedy out. Yeah, I think Tweedy back gives them a bit of confidence. But you know, you've got fi- you've got firepower everywhere in in the park orchard. It's a different. It's a different type of goal kicking forward line park orchard. A lot of goals out the back. A lot of goals from people running inside forward fifty. You think. Everett's about the. Oh, I think Everett and Kep will play that sort of role, but they, they don't dominate the area like a, a traditional power forward. Uh, let's get some tips from you, gents. Tyler, you can pipe in as well. Uh, Nord Park Orchards, I'll hold off on mine because I'll be on air tomorrow. But Josh, what do you reckon? I think Norwood at home. Jared? I think it's going to be Park Orchards. Yeah. Spider? Nord in a tight one. Tyler? Yeah, Norwood for me. All right, Noble Park, Blackburn, we'll start with you, Tyler. I think we all sort of think Noble Park are going to win this one pretty comfortably, six, seven-goal margin. Uh, yeah, about that. No sketcher, though, which is a fascinating. Another one, I think he's injured. At, yeah, I think he's injured at the moment. So um, he'll, they, they thought it was going to be a one-weeper, but it's obviously more than that. What about you, Spider? Yeah, don't think Sketcher out of the side will make a difference in this game. I think uh, the Bulls will do what they need to do and get it done quite comfortably. I think they'll win easily, to be truthful. Uh, yeah. Big margin. Yeah, Noble Parker, a professional they'll outfit. Bounce back. They bounce, bounce back against Berwick after their last loss yeah. as well. Yeah. Kate Answorth and Vincent Aducci are two handy ins for, for Blackburn, given their VFL experience. I think they'll add a bit, both add a bit to midfield, but yeah, Noble Park. I don't see them losing two consecutive ga- consecutive games this year, so I think they'll get the win. Northrum of Baldwin. I think we're all going Baldwin. I'm getting nods in the room. What about you down the line, Tyler? 
Yeah, I'm nodding to you as well, mate. Ball yeah, and everyone. Sweet. South Corey and Doncaster, same sort of vibes, I think, um, even though we spoke well, up Doncaster. I, Come I, on, Jared. I came into this round thinking maybe one of Doncaster or Berwick would win, um, and I think I'm leaning towards Doncaster. Here we go. Yeah. He's a Sharks I, man. I, I think I'm going to join oh, Jared, yeah, Jared here we go. as well. Spider, you're not going to fold with him, mate. <laughs> no, no, I'm staying. No, 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 I'm just staying, honestly. Staying with, with like South Corey. Staying with Seth Gordon. You're the same, Tyler? Yeah, 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 Gordon for me. Vermont, Berwick, Tyler. Can Berwick cause an upset? I thought they were at home. So I had them as maybe causing an upset, but now it's at Vermont. I'm back on Vermont. I think Vermont at Vermont, you know, the likes of Lockie Johns and stuff, if the, the, they can do it themselves there. So, But what about you, Tyler? Do you give the Wickers a chance? No, I don't think their back six is, uh, is going to be strong enough for the Eagles uh, forward six. Spider? This is going to be a big win for Vermont. Yeah, not sticking my neck out for this one. It's got to be Vermont. <laughs> Neither. I'm going to stick Vermont. Okay, now... Yeah, thanks very much, Tom, for joining us. You can stay on just for the sign-off. Now, we, we, one thing we're going to introduce is the Oracle. Now, you would be wondering what the Oracle is. It's a bit of crystal bowling, an unnamed member of the uh, AFNL media team, and it's not me. I would have come out and just stuck with it, um, <laughs> has, has produced the Oracle tips. Now, they've sent me every game, but I've just chosen a few that will, will be of interest. They've crystal balled the results using some statistics. Now, I'm sure with all these tips, people at home can figure out who I'm talking about, but we won't give it away. We'll go through the Oracle before we leave you. So, Premier Division, the game that they've, they've got no puck winning by a goal, 78 to 72 over Blackburn, which is very interesting. In Division 1, they've got Croydon just by 10 points over Mitcham, 81 to 71. They've got South Barrow winning by 16 over Ingold, 105 to 89. Scoresby go down by just three goals to Warrenite, 81 to 64. And Croydon uh, North go down by just 15 points to Surrey Park in a bit of a shootout. So the Oracle, it's it's got a bit of interest. We might post that on social media as well to see what the people think of the Oracle. But, yeah, some interesting stuff there. No real upsets tip there, but a lot closer than we think. Uh, Tyler, thanks very much for um, jumping on the line for this Premier Division part of the weekend forecast, mate. We know you're an avid listener, so it'll be good for you to hear yourself back. And, and hopefully we can see you at a game maybe sometime down the uh, southeast suburb soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Too easy. Spider, Jared, Josh, no don't forget to vote if you haven't voted. Of course, it's a very – is it democracy sausages, Josh? Mm. You'd love a democracy sausage. <laughs> uh, we're going to leave you here on the Deacon Uni weekend forecast. I've been Matthew Fodier. That's been Matt Spider Lee, Jared Beanland, Josh Ward. Uh, we'll see you at the footy after you vote. End of the most important clearance of the afternoon. So Hague won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He pulled it in! Oh, he no. pulled it in! Oh, Wignall. He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle. Oh, no. Took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kick the check side for right in front of us. Billy, he can, make a, he can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it. Yeah.